So now before we go into the word, shall we look to the Lord, that he may open our eyes, that we may hear what he has to say to us today. Today. Remember, there are sermons, and there is a message in the sermon. Even if you miss the sermon, do not miss the message. One is the word, the other is the voice. It's the voice that brings faith. Father, this morning we just come to you. We surrender ourselves into thy hands, O Lord. And I speak into every heart, here, everywhere. Be still. Be still. Know that he is God. Whatever you are going through, whatever your household is going through, be still. And know that he is God. And he is God always. Absolutely in control of everything that happens in his children's life. Absolutely. See in the end from the beginning. Nowadays are written in his book. The keys of death and Hades is in his hands. He's the one who was alive, dead, and now lives forevermore. The Alpha and the Omega. And he is for us. He's for us. It's not against us. He's for us. And therefore we can face everything. Because he's for us. So this morning, speak to us, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So this, I think it's a third Sunday, right? So, oh, it's a fourth Sunday. Yeah, it's a fourth Sunday. We are here. And we turn to the first text, Matthew 14. And we read from verse 22 to 32. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it's I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got got into the boat, the wind ceased. Verse 27 and 29. Lord, first thing he said is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the things which we do not understand. Honestly, I don't understand COVID. The scientists don't. I don't understand black fungus, now white fungus. Soon there will be brown fungus, pink fungus. It doesn't matter. I don't understand it. You know, but there is God. There is God. 
what we cannot understand, what we which which is beyond our control. They were afraid. They were afraid. The first thing Jesus says is, "Don't be afraid. Be of good cheer. It's me. You know, it's me." Meaning, in all the things which we are going through, He's not outside of it. He's not one of like those uh, pagan gods who disinterested. Okay. Though there is no pagan god, I mean, talking about the Greek and the Roman gods, no, totally disinterested in doing their own crazy stuff. Well, men are fighting over here, they are fighting over there. Those are the Roman gods. Okay, men are ch- chasing women in Athens, he is chasing women over there. And this, these are gods which have no ears to hear, eyes to see, but we have a god who is right there in the middle of our crisis. He knows the winds are contrary. He sent them ahead. The winds are contrary. He's not in the boat with them. And he sent the multitudes away. There are no boats on the shore. It's not going to stop him. He walks on the water. See, nothing is going to stop God from coming to his children. Nothing is to stop. The winds are contrary. The sea is boisterous. There's a storm blowing. There are no boats on the shore. The multitudes have left. He walks over the water and comes to them. And they are afraid. And he says, be of good cheer. Do not be afraid. It's me. It's I. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Bid me come. And Jesus said, come. When Peter had come down after the water, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Okay? If you don't get off the boat, you will never walk on water. The kingdom of God you don't get an E for trying. You get an A for trying. Okay. In the kingdom of God, you get an A for trying. All the people who ends in the kingdom of God with the E are those who never tried. They sat in the safety and the comfort of the boat. And they did not respond to his call. Come. In Mark chapter 16 and verses 17 to 18, these signs will follow those who believe. Okay. The signs mentioned there are incredible signs. So there are many signs in between, beyond and after. But they will only follow those who believe. Our question is, what if it does not work? The answer is, what if it does work? What if it does work? In my name they will cast out demons. But what if it does not work? What if it does work? Did you try? Did you step out of the boat and try walking on water? Did you ever try casting out? What? I am scared. Try with yourself. They will speak with new tongues. Did you try it? No, it is ceased. Who told you? So around 800 million Pentecostals or more are unsaved? Did you try? They will take up serpents. You can fight the demonic. It is not that the serpents will take you up. It is you will take up the serpents. You can handle them. Have you tried? If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Do you believe? Every day we are drinking deadly things. There is sugar in this. It's deadly. (laughs) 
Many of the ones who poor ones who died of COVID died because they had too much sugar in their system. It's deadly. The Bible says, can you live without breathing, touching, eating, drinking, anything that is not deadly in this world? No, everything is deadly. It's nothing which is not contaminated. Okay, that's why there's so much disease around and there was no disease when we were young. Because things were not contaminated. Contaminated. Okay. So, God says, do you believe? Will you get out of the boat? Because if the church does not get out of the boat, the church would have, would have lost its purpose at a time when the world is going through its greatest crisis and need. The world has no answer, but God's answer to the world is the church. The church has to get off the boat. Yes, the winds are contrary. The storm blowing all around the world. And the church cannot sit in the comfort of the boat. It has to step out because he says, come. We have to stop limiting the hand of God through fear. We have to stop limiting the hand of God through unbelief. That's how we, that's how we, how we limit God's hand. That's what happened to Israel in Psalm 78, 41, remember? And yet again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Can God be limited? Yes, in my life. I can limit Him. He cannot be limited. He's limitless. The universe does not, cannot contain Him. He contains the universe in Him. The whole universe in Him is just like a drop in the ocean. He's limitless. That's why it is said, He inhabits in eternity. Eternity has no limits. But I can limit Him in my life through fear, through unbelief. And God says, the church should not limit him at a time like this. Okay. Should not. And each one of us will be responsible for limiting. Because the world has no answer to what is happening, but the church has. And what the church has is Christ. We are good in doctrine. We preach doctrine. We study doctrine. But doctrine, you need to realize, never replaces the demonstration of God's power. It does not replace. Doctrine has its place. But true doctrine will also show the demonstration of God's power in our lives and through us to the people who are in need. So stop looking at your surroundings, looking at the waves, and stop looking at yourself. Don't be afraid to lay hands on the sick. Some may die. Some may live. Many we we prayed for died. Many we prayed for came out of the hospitals. And it is God because they were not Christians. They were Hindus. We cannot overrule the sovereignty of God. But we can be a part of the sovereignty of God and say, Lord, you know what? I will do what I will do. Which you call me to do. And you can do only what you can do. What I can do is I can pray. I can't heal. Only you can heal. What I can do is I can lay hands on. I cannot heal. What I can do is preach. I cannot save. Only you can save. All I can do is command, but only you can cast out demons. It is Christ who does. And we should not limit the hand of God. Stop your social work. Start praying. Start laying hands. There are enough people to feed the poor. 
The enough NGO. So church is not an NGO. It is the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. And even if you feed the poor, it has to be miraculous and not what man can do in the flesh. Jesus fed the poor. But it was miraculous. So that when you feed the poor, when the church feeds the poor, you will know it is not a program. This is directly the hand of God because we did not have the wherewithals to do it and God came through for us and through us he is feeding the poor. It cannot be the hand of man. It cannot be the power of man. When it happens and it happens through us and you and me, it will be known to the world. It was not by might. It was not by power. It is by the power of God, power of his Holy Spirit. To that we are called. The church cannot sit on its haunches. It has to get off the boat and then suddenly we'll realize what cannot sustain the weight of man will take the weight of man because it is God who said, come out. Eleven others sat. It will be never written. John walked on water. Andrew walked on water. Thomas walked on water. It will never be written. It will be always told for eternity. Peter walked on water. Don't worry about him singing. He walked. Everybody sang, but he is the only one who. We all sang in water. That is not a, a big thing. Everybody sings in water. But only one man walked on water. You know why? Because he said, if it is you, bid me come. And God said, come. Stop looking at your circumstances and stop looking at yourself. Why? John 15 verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go bear fruit. The simple question is, are you saved? The one sitting here. If you are saved, show me your hands. You know what that means? You did not choose God. God chose you. You did not choose God. God chose you. So it does not matter. God chose you. See, God knew Jacob was a jerk when he chose him. He knew Gideon was a coward when he chose him. He knew Samson was a whoremonger when he chose him. He knew Barak would be the first feminist, ladies first, hiding behind Deborah's billowing skirts. He knew him when he chose him. So stop limiting God. If you are saved, you are chosen by God. And you were not chosen to drift through life without purpose. You have a purpose. God has never chosen anybody without purpose. Because everything in the universe which God has created functions with purpose. It all has purpose. Even the devil has a purpose. Even Pharaoh was raised up for God's purpose. So was Moses. So stop limiting God. And stop. Stop limiting the kingdom of God. Zechariah chapter 2 verses 1 to 5. Peter, can you give me that stick please? I'm not going to smack you, but I just want the stick. (laughs) 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 Then I raised my eyes and looked. Behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. So I said, where are you going? He said to me, to measure Jerusalem, to see what is its width and what is its length. And there was an angel who talked with me going out and another angel was coming out to meet him who said to him, run 
speak to this young man saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls because of the multitude and men and livestock in it. Stop. You run and tell that fellow. Stop measuring. This is going to be a city without walls because it cannot contain what is coming in. Stop measuring the kingdom of God. You have no clue that multitudes that are going to come in. Stop limiting the hand of God with your measuring tape. Stop it. This is a city without walls because the walls cannot contain. This is talking about spiritual truth, not the physical truth. Stop measuring. Stop limiting God. The problem is whenever we face a crisis, what do we do? We take our measuring tape and we start measuring God. We're measuring. We don't look up. We look all around and we start limiting God. And God says, run, tell him, stop measuring. Stop measuring. Speak to that young man. Because the kingdom of God is too big. It's too big. Don't limit the kingdom of God in your mind. Don't limit the hand of God in your mind with your unbelief. Because your measuring stick is too small. There is room for everyone who believes. For everyone. Peter, put your measuring tape away. Acts chapter 10, verses 11 to 16. Put it away. I saw heavens open. And an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him, led down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild bees, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. A voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times. And the object was taken up into the heaven again. What does Peter say? Surely not. I've never eaten anything common or unclean. God says, you know what, Peter? You're going to get a new lesson. Everything that is going to come into the kingdom of God is going to be common and unclean. Put your measuring tape away. Don't write anybody off. Nobody's off limits for God. The grace of God can go further than you and I can think. The people we will think impossible to be saved, God will say, you will see. Jerusalem will not be able to contain. So put your, young man, put your measuring tape away. Stop judging people by what they are. See them with the eyes of faith, what they can be with God. That's how God comes and addresses. Moses, you're the one chosen. Who, me? Who, me? Gideon, you are the one who is chosen. Me? Look at the people God picked. Tell me one kosher character in that hoop he picked. Not even Joseph. Who would walk 70 miles to the court of... Thank God he walked 4,000 years ago and now. If he had dignity, he would be in the pride march. <laughs> they would have picked him and made him and sit in a chariot and take his, our patron saint for LGBT. Poor fellow doesn't even know what it is. There's no, you need to look at that. Look at almost everyone God has picked. So stop. Just say, Lord, bid me come. The creepy, the crawly, the liars, the thieves, the harlots, the tax collectors. You know what God says? All are welcome into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has a plaque. The plaque says, sinners, welcome here. Because the gospel is the power of God. That can transform a sinner to a saint. 
A saint doesn't need the gospel. That's why the saints will be outside the kingdom. But the sinners will be inside. Those who think they are saints, not those who are acknowledged by God as saints. You and I have to believe in the power of gospel. Otherwise, we'll sit in our boats. We'll never pray for anybody. We pray and we quit. We'll never lay hands upon the sick. We will never witness. We will never testify. And we will feel good because we have our social programs. Which saves no one. So don't look at man. Look unto Jesus. Keep believing. And these signs shall follow. They shall follow. Keep proclaiming. Freedom will come. Captives will be set free. Keep loving the unlovable because love never fails. And keep resisting the enemy. The enemy will flee. Keep doing it. You see, we are so good. Let me tell you to congregation as a pastor. You go to a hospital, let's say, from Viranchik. You booked your first slot online. You go there, you wait one and a half hours to see the doctor. First you go to the desk, you pay payment. Then you come here and give it over here. She takes it and puts in the file. Then you sit there, sit there, sit there, sit there, sit there. And finally he comes. And he comes, you go there. You sit with him for 10 minutes. He looks at everything and he prescribes. You go to the pharmacy, you buy it. You come back home and you eat the medicines for seven days. Are you well? No. Do you get mad with the doctor? You buffoon. I waited two hours of my time. I paid through the nose. It's been seven days. I'm still coughing. Do you say? How come when the pastor lays hands upon you and you don't get healed, God doesn't work, you give up so fast? How come you pray and you don't get healed? Okay, this doesn't work. How quickly you give up? You shall be healed. Shall be healed. You know how quick we give up on God, the things of God, and how we persist with the things of the flesh on human hands. And God says, keep believing, keep praying. Keep praying. It will happen. It will manifest. One way or other, your faith will grow. One way or other, God will speak to you. You will not go defeated out of life. You will go out of life victorious. Sometimes you do not see the manifestation. When Jesus cursed the fig tree, you did not see the tree drying up because it dried from the root up. The first thing that dried up was the root. You can't see the root. The next day, look, the tree is but when he cursed, the unseen had taken place. The next day, the manifested in the sea, in the seed. So when God says, keep praying, keep believing, keep fasting, keep knocking at the door, keep seeking, he says, you know what? Daniel, when he prayed, I heard him the first day, but he saw the manifestation 21 days later because there was a battle over it. And people quit before they see the manifestation. And the devil takes your healing away. The devil takes your victory away. The devil takes your joy away. The devil takes your peace away. Not because it was not answered, because you quit. And God says, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Okay. Sometimes he will give a manifestation in the visible, so they can believe in the invisible. Son, your sins are forgiven. How do I know? Pick up your mat and walk. I'm really forgiven. You know why? Because I'm healed. 
Hallelujah, Lord. I am healed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I don't know what is he excited about, the healing or the fact that he's forgiven. Sometimes the manifestation is first in the physical so that you can believe in the invisible. How do you know I am forgiven? Because Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. Pick up your mat and walk. If you can't believe what I say, at least believe in my works. That's what Jesus said. Right? That is how God works. That's how God works. So we will keep preaching. We will keep praying. We will keep believing for healing. We will keep binding. We will keep releasing. And God will do what only God can do. But we should do what we have to do. We have to do. We don't quit. We don't quit. Don't say like Peter, surely not. Because God is interested in everyone. And he begins his journey. He picks up fishermen. Four fishermen to be his first disciples. Who would pick fishermen? Only God, because he believes. If you put your trust in me, you walk with me, you won't end up as fishermen. You will become fishers of men. Tax collectors. Look at the people he picked. One of the first persons he touches as he comes down the mountain after a fantastic sermon is the leper. And a little later he heals a Roman centurion servant. You know what? Jesus healing a Roman centurion servant is like an Israeli team of medics treating a Palestinian terrorist. Nobody is out of bounds for God. And Israelis do. Palestinians will kill an Israelite. But the Israelis will take care of the Palestinians. Because the gods are different. Gods are different. When Israel is captured in Gaza, he will be paraded through the streets as a victim, as a trophy. The Palestinian is wounded and captured in Israel. He is rushed to the hospital and given the best care. And then goes through the process of law. Because the gods are different. It's a demonstration of who your God is. It's a demonstration of your God is. So doctrine without demonstration will bring no transformation. Doctrine has to be demonstration in our lives that we are not quitters because our God is all-powerful. He never quits. So God says, step out of the boat. Step out. Lord, if it is your bid, be come. He says, come. Step out of the boat because if I step out of the boat based on what God has spoken, I am not on trial. He is on trial. When I pray for the sick, I am not on trial. He is on trial. And in his sovereignty, he heals some. He allows others to go home. I am never on trial. And our problem is we are always afraid of as if you are on trial. If you are, it's your success and your failure. No. You are just vessels. And always remember, you are just vessels. Don't magnify your sins. Magnify your savior. Greatest miracle takes place. Depart from me, Lord. I am a sinner. Don't magnify yourself. Come, I'll make you fishers of men. He knows who you are before you stepped into your boat. He knows exactly who you are. He knows more about you than you know yourself. More than your parents know about you. No more than the doctors know about you. He knows you. So don't magnify your sin. Magnify your Savior. 
Because if you keep on magnify your sin and your weakness, that becomes your excuse for not to be used by God. So don't look at that. Magnify your God. Magnify your deliverer. Magni- I am the least. My tribe is the least. My clan is the least. My family is the least. In my family, I am the least. He knew all this when he came to you. He knew it all. He's not caught by surprise. So don't make this as an excuse not to step out of your boat. When we do, we magnify our weakness. And not his strength. Not his strength. Because God chose you and me. Knowing all our weaknesses. Now he says, will you magnify my power? My strength? Ephesians 1.19 says, What is the exceeding greatness of his power? Toward us who believe. What is the exceeding greatness of the power? His power towards us who believe. Can you think about it? That is why these incredible visible pictures in the Old Testament. That man. Where did my stick go? Okay. Okay. One stick. You know that? what he did with that? The man who said, I can't, I can't speak, I can't do anything. You know what he, God did through him? Can anybody duplicate those things? The exceeding power. All he had to do was believe. All he was told to is that, use that stick. That's all he was. That was what was told to him. We are told to use our hands, use our lips, use our feet. Moses was asked to use the stick. Exceeding power, the greatness, exceeding greatness, double superlative, of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. God says, do you believe? That's why you should be able to say, we should be able to say, you know what, whatever he tells me, I can do it through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I can do all things. So stop asking the wrong questions. Stop asking the wrong questions. Because supply has never been a problem in God's kingdom. Never. Finding a man or woman who would believe has always been the problem. We'll take our measuring tape. Always. Right? How many people are there? 5,000 men, women, children beside How much do we have? Five loaves and two fish. Where are we in the desert place? God says, will you you stop? Will you just stop there? Will you just give it to me? What should we do? Just make them sit down. It's the most difficult thing. You read the narrative very carefully. The Bible says they fed those who sat down. God is not able to miraculously work in people because they are anxiously standing or pacing up and down. Nobody is sitting down. When he said, sit down. Give me your problems and sit down. We won't sit down. Tossing up and down. This side and that side. This side and that side. Walking up and down. Pacing up. Not in prayer. In anxiety. We are not empty. Full. No worries. God says, sit down. 
Go back and read how it is written. What should we do? Make them sit down. And the Bible says the disciples fed those who were sitting down. He wants to feed you, but he cannot feed you standing. Okay. He doesn't feed those who are standing. It's very difficult. Have you tried feeding a child who's running? The three things they say you cannot do. One is feed a child who's running. Two, climb a fence that is leaning towards you. Three, kiss a woman who's leaning away from you. And God is forever trying to feed us. We are forever running in anxiety. He says, will you please sit down? Will you please sit down? When we sit down, we see the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. 5,000 plus women plus children, five loaves and two fish. Is there anything too difficult for God? And what is man's solution? Send them away. We don't want to get out of this boat. Send them away. Send them away. God is calling them, walk on water. They say, no, send them away. Send them away. God is saying, Dumbos, have you forgotten your history? 40 years, your forefathers walked in the desert. They didn't know. When they came out of Egypt, they did not even have five loaves or two fish. Do you know for how many years every day I fed them? You have forgotten your history? That's what Psalm 78, 41 we read, right? 42 says. We know 41. Because you've forgotten your history? You've forgotten where you have come from? We have forgotten the history of what Christ did? They did not remember his power. Have you forgotten? How easy it is to forget. If you did feed their forefathers for 40 years with nothing, he's saying, can I, can I, can I do? <laughs> you at least have something in your hand. Then there was nothing. <laughs> you can say you have at least five loaves and two fish. God says, will you step out? One of the things which we need to understand is this, Matthew 14, 31. Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Jesus does not get aggravated because we failed, because we tried. Why did you doubt? That's what he says. He didn't say, why did you step out of the boat? He never said that. He doesn't get aggravated because we failed, because we tried the steps of faith. He issues with unbelief. His issue is not with people stepping out of the boat. In Matthew 13 and verse 58, it's there in the other gospels too. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Where? In his own town. And you know what scripture says? After that he went to Capernaum and healed everybody who came to him. Everybody. Apne ghar pe? Nobody. Padoos ke ghar pe? Sabko.
own house nobody neighbor's house everybody you see god is not limited except by our unbelief matthew 14 31 immediately jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him oh you of little faith why did you doubt and when they got into the boat the wind ceased and when they got in the boat the wind what is there missing between verse 31 and 32 think for a minute jesus said come peter is walking towards jesus and then he looked down and started sinking and jesus lifted him up how did they go back walked on earth your failure does not make you a failure God doesn't want to write you off as a failure. Good Peter, you took three steps. You sank the gap. Let's walk together on water. And all the others are sitting there like dummies and watching. And nobody has the guts to step out. So it will be never written, never written, never written that they walked on water. Don't think on the way back, Jesus and Peter swam. No, they didn't. And don't also think that Jesus walked and he was dragging Peter. No, they both walked. They both walked back. So Jesus is not aggravated by our failures when we try. Matthew twenty-five, twenty-two to twenty-seven. Oh, twenty-five, twenty-five, twenty-five. I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look there, what you have, what is yours? But his Lord answered and said to him, "You lazy, lazy, wicked, and lazy servant! You knew that I reap where I have not sown. Gather." Okay, this is a parable of the talents. There is one guy who also got a talent. What did he do? God gets aggravated with believers who don't try. God doesn't get aggravated with believers who try and fail. He gets aggravated with believers who will never try. Doctrinally sound, no demonstration at all. Alive, neck up, dead below. No steps, no movements. It's like they say, operation successful, patient is dead. How is the operation? Successful. The other side you don't hear. Operation was fantastic. Heart was taken out. Heart was replaced. Patient dead. That's why doctors are all complaining. The whole thing. What a fantastic operation, doctor! You are a genius. What about the patient? Patient is dead. Doctorally sound. No steps. No movements. God is saying he gets aggravated. He doesn't get aggravated by people who fail because they tried. He gets aggravated with people who never try. So don't be at the receiving end of God's stick when you go on to the other side, doctrinally sound with no steps of faith. You will get mad because this is the world's hour of need, and only the church has the answer. That's why the constant refrain. If you look at verse twenty-five. Yeah, same thing. Twenty-five. What does it say? 
Why didn't you do it? I was afraid. I was afraid. Twelve people in the boat. The wind is the same. The sea is the same. The storm is the same. And everybody is afraid of the storm. But one man overcame his fear and stepped out. The others stayed in the boat in their fear. I was afraid. It's fear that limited God's hand in your life. That's why over and over and over and over God comes and says, do not be afraid. Fear not. Why? I am with you. Who is the one who is calling you? Come. It's God. It's Christ. Why are you afraid? Fear. Unbelief. Why didn't he step out? Why didn't he do anything with what God gave him? Because he was afraid. Why is Timothy sitting there? Afraid. I have not given you. God has not given you a spirit of fear. Timothy, what are you doing? Are you saved? Yes. Baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yes. Speaking in tongues? Yes. Do you have a gift? Yes. Are you doing anything with it? No. Why? I'm afraid. God says, stop fearing. Stop worrying about what people will say. Don't worry about it. This is not a testimony of you. This is my testimony. You are not your witness. I am not my witness. I am a witness of Jesus Christ. Law magnifies sin. Grace magnifies the Savior. Law brings condemnation. Grace brings liberty. So God says, are you under the law? Are you under grace? Whatever you are fighting, don't quit. Whatever you are fighting, whether you are fighting the enemy in the battlefield, whether you are fighting a personal uh, thing that holds you down, or with your very, whatever you are fighting, grace magnifies the Savior. Don't magnify your sin. That is the law. Magnify your Savior who can deliver you. That's what grace is for. Almost everyone, not almost, everyone who received a miracle in the Bible was a sinner according to the law. Or he was an outcast according to the law, Gentile. But they all received a miracle. Everyone was a sinner. But everyone was a Gentile according to the law. While the Pharisees stood there with their measuring tapes. Is he going to heal them on Sabbath? How can he eat with that person? Isn't he a sinner? Doesn't he know who is touching his feet? Measuring tape. Jerusalem is too big for your measuring tape, Pharisee. There are all kind of creepy crawly things you are getting in. They don't remain like that, but they will all get in. But if you use your tape to keep them out, you will end up out. They followed him. Is he going to heal on Sabbath? Sabbath? Don't you see his disciples are plucking grain on Sabbath? This fellow is carrying his mat on Sabbath. He sat there for 38 years. You could do nothing. Now on Sabbath, he's walking with his first time in his life. He's got up and he's walking with you. You're upset. He's carrying his mat. You are not upset. He was sitting on his mat for 38 years. You're upset. He's carrying his mat. You see, they experience nothing. They experience nothing. Because they limited God in their minds, in their hearts. Grace is much, much, much bigger than we think. It can handle anybody and anything. So stop measuring. Just 
get them in. Then God will work in them from within. Don't deny people grace. Don't deny people the benefit of your prayer. Don't deny people the benefit of laying hands because you think they cannot be healed. They are unworthy. Proverbs 24 verse 16. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. Do you know who this is? Who this man is? He is a man who is a sinner by law and righteous only by faith. There are no righteous in the Bible unless it is righteous, the righteousness of Abraham, which comes by faith. Under the law, he is a sinner, but he is righteous only by faith. He may trip, you may trip, I may trip, we will trip again and again. Don't quit. Get up again and again because one day you will learn to lean on the power of God's arm, the power of grace. Step out. Don't quit. Don't settle down with your over your failures. Don't settle down. One day you will lean. Understand the power of God's grace. Hebrews 11 and verse 21. So, uh, 11, 21, 21, not 8, 21. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. When he had the staff in his father's house, he failed. Because he didn't know how to lean on it. When he had the staff in Laban's house, he failed. When he came back from Laban's house, he failed. He failed, but he learned how to lean on that stuff and not fail. He doesn't end as he began. He doesn't end as he ran and he slipped. Because a righteous man can fail seven times, but he will get up if he doesn't quit. And God says, stop making excuses. Stop quitting so far. There's a dire need in the world which only the church can meet. And if you can't do anything, get into your prayer closet and pray. And stop quitting your prayer closet. Oh, I prayed for two days. Nothing happened. No. Go back. Go back. Luke 18 and verse 1 says, He spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray. Always ought to pray. The stress is on always. And not lose heart. Don't give up. Most of the quitters are in their prayer closet. More than anywhere else. Among Christians, they quit their prayer closet or it is just a mechanical exercise. It's not a spiritual demonstration of faith. They don't quit. They quit. God says, don't lose heart. You need to always pray. Why? Because when the son of man comes, will he really find faith on earth? Will he find people who did not give up and he has come with the answer? Don't quit. Just because you failed, you are not a failure. Because you do not know when he will turn up. How do you know when he will turn up? We can only pray. But there is one who answers. The Bible says he is faithful. You know why we get so many things which we quit on? Because even though we are unfaithful, he is still faithful. If he is going to tell every one of us here, I am going to be directly proportional in my faithfulness to you according to your faithfulness, we are done. We are done. We are finished. 
On the other hand, he says, even when you are unfaithful, I am still faithful. You know why? Because I cannot deny myself. You know who I am? My name is faithful. You know what your name is? Unfaithful. But faithful can has to always be faithful. Faithful cannot be unfaithful to unfaithful. It is denying himself. He says, you know who I am? My nature is faithful. So I will be always faithful to you, even when you are unfaithful. And God is saying, can I find a few faithful people who will get into their prayer closets and not stop fighting this battle? And you will never know when I will turn up. You never know if you don't give up when God will turn up. 38 years this man sat by the poolside, still waiting, still waiting, because only one will get healed. You never know when the angel comes. You have no clue when he will stir the water. Angel comes, water stirs, first one gets in, gets healed. And everyone gets before him. How many years I've been sitting here? 38 years. How long have I been watching these waters? 365 days a year for 38 years. Have you got your healing? No. Will you quit? No. Kupai nahi. There is nothing else I can do. There is nobody who can heal me. There is nowhere else to go. There is only one place in Israel where there is a promise something can happen. You know what? I am waiting. I am not going to quit. And suddenly healing comes not from the water on the land. It walks up to him and says, do you want to get well? You don't have to wait for the stirring of the water. The Lord of the waters is here. Pick up your mat and walk. You know why? Because you didn't quit. He didn't quit. Luke 13, verses 10 and 11. He went to synagogue. He was teaching. Behold, there was a woman bent over 18 years with the spirit of infirmity. You know why she was healed? Because she went to the synagogue with her infirmity for 18 years. She had no clue when her healing would come. She probably never even imagined healing would come. Her infirmity did not stop her from going to one place where the word of God was preached. 18 years. She kept going. 18 years. Every Sabbath going. 18 years. What are you getting out of this? I didn't know I was supposed to get anything out of this. This is my father's house. This is where we are supposed to go. And she went. And one day, the master walks in. Daughter, you are loosed. Infirmities. You are loosed. God says, stop. Stop quitting so easily. Stop giving up so easily. You can still walk on water. Though all your natural signs and everything you learned in college says you cannot walk on water. You can walk on water. You know why? Because there is one above all these natural laws. Don't go. Thank God for doctors, nurses, medical profession, they're saving thousands of lives. But if, even if the report all goes against you, the banker's report, the doctor's report, the professor's report, the examiner's report, still doesn't matter. As long he has not said over, it is not over. Has he told you? No. If he hasn't told you, then go 300 times. When he has said, no, it's only three times. That's it. Three times. Pakka. Thank you, Lord. I'll walk with it. Your grace is sufficient for me. Has he told you? No. Why do people quit so easy? Acts chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. And then 422. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. No, 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 no. Two. Sorry, sorry. Three. Acts 3, 1 and 2. 3, 1 and 2. <clears throat> 
and there was and peter john went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer they were going to pray ninth hour a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of temple which is called beautiful to take alms from those who entered the temple daily here is a man brought kept brought kept 365 days a week brought kept brought kept every day he is brought how do you know when god will turn up two men are going to pray and they look at him that's his day and if you go to acts chapter 422 you know what it says i gave it to you right man was over 40 years old let's say he was started sitting there from the age of 5 You know how many times he went there? At least thirteen thousand times. And then got turned up. If you've been lame from birth and you're forty years old, don't you want to walk at forty? Now you understand why he clung to Peter and John and refused to let go of him. He clung to them. You need to understand. Saul did not lose his kingdom because he burned the sacrifice. He lost his kingdom because he quit waiting. Because he quit waiting on the Lord for Samuel to appear. See, when we stop quitting, you will do other things which you are not supposed to do. That's the problem. Nobody sits. like buddha oh, even when you sit like buddha your mind is going elsewhere you're still doing things which you're not supposed to do thinking things which you're not supposed to do that's the problem the problem was not what he did the problem is what he did not do that is what caused him to do the things because he quit waiting on samuel he usurped samuel's position and became a priest and the problem was not that also that he was took that position the position problem was he didn't have the heart of a priest that's the problem the issue you need to understand the issue is that it's not that first he did not wait second when he usurped a position he did not have the heart for the position you know what david functioned like a priest and god never judged him though he was not a levite and he too was from the tribe of judah not a levite but he had the heart of a priest Okay, heart of a priest. So we need to look at how God looks at things. If we do not stop believing, if we stop quitting, God will move. We don't know when, because God did not make a mistake when He chose you and me. He did not make a mistake. The only person in human history who has chosen to be the son of perdition was Judas everybody else chose themselves to be whatever they want to be god did not choose us to be this so stop sitting in the safety of the boat because god did not choose us to live safe lives god chose us to live risky lives because the walk of faith in this walk the world of sight is risky it is risky so when you fail don't quit 
it only means you are learning to walk. The Song of Solomon says, his desire is for us. His not, desire is not for somebody else. You're just learning to walk. That's all. Okay. When our children stumbled off their cycle and tricycle, we didn't condemn them. You remember when our kids were very, very small, very small, when our kids were very, very small? Remember, Samir, when they were very, very small? And we, we, we especially remember that uh, cartoon, what you call that, line one thing, no? And we gave them these coloring crayons and all. You know, if that color fit into that figure, it would be a miracle. Did we say that? We said, wow, look at it. And then we will say, mommy, look at what Junior has done. If you evil fathers can give good things to your children, and when we as children of God stumble and fail, God will say, terrible fellow, how can you fall like that? He says, he says, you know, we're just learning to walk. Learning to walk. <laughs> what do we tell? Mommy, I think Junior is going to be an artist. <laughs> you ready to get it from? You get it from God. Okay? There's a fellow sitting in the threshing floor and God comes and says, Junior, mighty man of valor. You're going to be a superman. We are willing to invest in our children. And you think God is not willing to invest in his children. That's why God says. What is that we invest in our children? Our time? Our money? Our resources? What does God invest in his children? His spirit. The best he can. The very power of God. The Holy Spirit. If you fathers who are evil know how to give good things to your children, how much more your father in heaven will give you? Everything was done by the Holy Spirit. The person they grieved in the desert was the Holy Spirit. You grieved my spirit in the desert is what God said. We need to learn. 1 Samuel 36. David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people were grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. What does it mean? It simply means in today's context when everybody quit, David refused to quit. All quit. Picked up stones. Depressed, discouraged, suicidal, angry, mad, stoned the leader. The leader did not quit. He refused to quit. Sixteen months in darkness. No prayer, no sacrifice, no religious service, no going to Shiloh, no song. Verse 8. David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? Very hesitant. Shall I pursue? Shall I overtake? No question, will I win? Doesn't ask. Shall I pursue? Shall I overtake? God come, boom! He asks two questions. He gives him three answers. What does he say? Pursue. For you shall surely overtake. And what is that? Without fail, recover all. Do you see God's heart? I like people, he said, sons who don't quit. Get on, I was waiting for this moment. Waiting for this moment for you to step out of that security of Ziklag. 
I overturned Ziklag. I burned Ziklag so that you would get out of that safety. And I am with you. I am for you. Because you failed for 16 months, you are not a failure. You are not a failure. Pursue. You shall surely overtake. And without fail, look at how cool God is, right? Without fail. I'm sure when these things are happening, it's a lesson for the angels. The angels are waiting. Bring the effort. The question is asked. The angels are looking. How will God answer? This man hasn't prayed for 16 months. This man has never sung a song. He's been living in the Philistine territory. He's been serving the king of the Philistines. How is going to answer? And God says, pursue. Overtake. Recover all. They must have been shocked. See, all those who do not quit and continue this battle of faith will be one day crowned as overcomers. How did David encourage himself? Think in your mind's image, okay? Heaven's gates are closed. The throne room of God, everywhere there are cherubims with flaming swords standing. If you need entrance, you need to need know the password. You have to say the password. So David, let us imagine David, everybody's hand, and he has to cry out to the Lord. And the angel says, you want to enter into the throne room of grace? Password. Uh, holiness. Wrong. Righteousness. Wrong. Godliness. Wrong. You, can you give me a clue? Well, it starts with M. Mercy! Gates are wide open. You want not the password to enter into God's grace? It's mercy. It's mercy. You know how he encouraged himself? He says, I know you, Lord. You are a merciful God. And your mercy is up to a thousand generations of those who love you. You are always merciful. That was the password. That opened up gates of heaven for when Jesus walked on earth. It didn't matter who they were. It didn't matter what their condition. The law, in the law, the lowest scumbag of scumbag in the law was a leper. Was the leper. You know, because that's how the law looked down. The Pharisees looked down upon lepers and harlots and tax collectors and all. But when they cried, Mercy! Heaven stopped. Heaven stopped. Heaven stopped. And the doors heaven swing open. The power of God flows. Lord shall I pursue. God says, Go. Surely overtake. Without fail, recover all. Because he's not focusing on anything. He's focusing on God's mercy. So don't magnify your sin. Magnify your Savior. If you magnify your sin, you will never get out of the rut. Because your sin is too big for you to get out of it. Only grace can lift you up. Only grace can lift you up. If David had been meditating upon his 16 months of his failure, of the deeds of darkness he did. Serving the king of Akish. Actually three days earlier, marching with the king of Akish to fight against his own people. And if it had, God had him intervene, he would have had the blood of his own people in his hands. For the lords of Akish turned against David and said, we don't trust him, send him back. That's the only reason he's come back. 
He has nothing to stand on. But he has something to stand on. That is the mercy of God. Mercy of God is for the undeserving. It's Napoleon or Abraham Lincoln, the lady whose son was to be hanged. And she came and said, Lord, plead for mercy. Napoleon said, your son, your son doesn't deserve mercy. And he said, if he deserves mercy, it is not mercy. He says, for such an answer as that, you will get your son back. Because if you and I deserve mercy, it is not mercy. Mercy is for the undeserving. 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 That's why his mercies are new every morning. Because in the light of his holiness, in the light of his righteousness, he looks down, all his children are undeserving. For the very reason we feed our little babies, our little children. You know why? It's mercy. They deserve nothing. They do nothing. They're just a pain in the neck. They do nothing. They only add to our troubles. Subtract from our joy. Multiply our sorrows. And when we die, divide our property. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what we do with them every day? We (laughs) teach them. You know what we do with them every day? We show the mercy. Mercy. That's what Jesus was talking about. A fellow who is blown up his father's property. Turned it to gold. Blew it all on harlots and wine beep and this thing. And has ended up smelling like a pig. Coming back like a pig. Filthy head to toe. All in tatters. What the father does is run and hug him. Why? He's coming back looking for mercy. And mercy runs to you. Mercy. Everything that happens after that is grace. But it is mercy. And that's what God is saying. Why do you quit? So easy. Judges 17, 28. Yeah, Judges 17. Not Joshua. It sounded like Joshua. Judges 17. Oh, I will give it to you. I have this, I have my problems with this. I majored in literature, not numbers. <laughs> okay. One second. 1628. 1628. Got it? Samson called to the Lord saying, Oh Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray. Just this once. What do you have in your resume, Samson? Nothing. Nothing. A life lived with harlots. A strength of God spent on harlots. What do you have? Nothing. What are you asking for? Mercy. One chance, Lord. I don't want to end my life as a quitter. Please, Lord, one chance. You know what? God loves people who refuse to quit. Eyes are gone. Hands are changed. Lord, one chance to finish well. God says, take it. My spirit will come upon you. He refused to accept the status quo. This is my life. Entertain the enemy. No, Lord, I don't want to entertain the enemy. I know you call me to overcome my enemy. I will not end up as a laughing stock in eternity. I will end up as the testimony of Christ in eternity. I refuse to quit. Refuse to quit. 
Eyes are gone. Strength is gone. You see, we need to understand something. We are not, listen carefully, we are not called to reveal our perfection. We are called to reveal his redemption. I am not called to reveal my perfection. I am called to reveal his redemption through me. It is the sinners he saves. It is the weak he makes strong. It is the foolish he makes wise. It is the ignoble he makes noble. The ignoble ones, the one whom nobody wants, is included into the family of God. We are exemplifying to the world the redemption of Christ, not the perfection of man. Stop church being a Pharisee. Stop being a Sadducee who deny the resurrection of Christ. If you deny, we don't deny the resurrection of Christ, but in fact, in action, in works, we deny the resurrection power of Christ. We do not deny the resurrection. We deny the resurrection power, which is worse. At least you can say, I don't believe in resurrection. But we believe in resurrection. But we deny the resurrection power of Christ. God says, no, grace is the resurrection of power of Christ. So we are called to reveal his redemption. So if you fail, it does not matter. Get up and walk again. If the priests, if the priests who took the ark and stepped into the water and nothing happens, the indictment is not on the priest. The indictment is of the Lord of the priest because he is the one who told them to step into the water. If you and I walk, march around the walls of Jericho for seven days and the walls come down, the indictment is on, not on Joshua. It is indictment on the Lord of Shabuot who ordered Joshua. So why are we afraid? When he says, bid come. When he says, come knock on the doors of justice. Day and night. Don't quit. When he says, pray. When he says, lay hands upon the sick. When he says, cast the demons. Don't be afraid of what you take in. Be careful. Don't be reckless. But don't fear. It's not an indictment on me. It's an indictment on my God. Indictment of God. That's what God is talking about. Don't quit. See, if I lay hands on the sick, why do I, why do we do it? Because He said it. Why do we speak in tongues? Because He said so. Do you understand the word? No. Why do you say? Because he said it edifies. And the, the, the result we see, when trouble comes in, you are able to handle it, what you were not able to handle earlier. Why? Because you did something which you, by faith. So Paul says, I speak in tongues more than all of you, therefore God used him more than all of them. <laughs> as simple as that. Yet he says, if I speak, um, pray in the spirit, my mind, mind is unfruitful. And this is the man whose mind was so fruitful, he wrote 18 scriptures. And yet he prayed more unfruitfully. But he was strong. He was strong. He refused to quit. You read the entire account of the book of Acts. Goes to one town, beats up. Does he quit? No. Goes to the next town, gets beat up. Does he quit? No. Goes to the third town, beaten, stoned, dead, thrown outside, rises up from the dead, continue. Does that man quit? The book of Acts ends up by saying that he's in house arrest, he cannot go out. So he taught everybody who came in. That man refused to quit. He didn't have one quitting bone in his body. And that's what God is talking about. Christians are made full of wish bones. I wish, I wish, I wish. 
he will keep wishing. God says, step out of the boat. All eleven must have been thinking, I wish I had stepped out. Well, the time is over. <laughs> time is over. A lot of people quit before even starting. Who am I? Who is that? Hero? What's it? Who am I? As if God doesn't know who you are. God is saying, what's it? I don't need your stuff. You need my stuff. I know who you are. Well, then who are you? Whatever you want to call me. I am that I am. Blank check. <laughs> who are you? I am that I am. Yeah. You go through life. Whatever you face, what calamity, trial, testing you meet, take it and fill the name there. Lord, I am in need. Jaira. Lord, I am sick. Rafa. Lord, how do I go? Nisi. Whatever you want, you fill in over there. I am that I am for you always present now. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. I am that I am. He just gave Moses a blank check and says, go with it. And you can cash it anywhere. Anytime in life you comes, you will see this check won't bounce. It will meet your need. And that's how we sent him. Instead he's making quitting before he could start. They won't believe me. Did you ask them? You're sitting in Midian and you're talking about the people in Egypt. Did you ask them? That's how all son of God calls. And I've got to call Peter. Peter, I want to go to Zambia. No, Zambia, they won't believe because I'm from Nigeria. Did you ask them? No, I know. I have read history. Zambians don't like Nigerians. Did you ask them? We are trying to teach God lessons. I can't speak. By the way, who made your mouth? It's me trying to tell Sammy this is the way to work on your computer. <laughs> Moses telling God who made his mouth that I don't know how to speak. This is a man who almost quit before he even started. We need to realize you and I are not on the tri- on trial. It is God who is on trial and God is well able to prove himself. My life is not being tested. It's Christ's life in me that is being tested. So eat some humble pie and let him live. Stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. Do you know who was the first evangelist? A much married lady, divorced five times. Living with the sixth man, living partner, first evangelist. If you are divorced once, half the pulpits won't let you speak. You are divorced six, five times. You are living with the sixth one. And you are a Samaritan, first evangelist in the Bible, declaring Christ. Why? It's not about your perfection. It's about your redemption. What does she go and witness? Come and see. He's the Messiah. The Messiah. So I said doctrine without demonstration. 
will not bring transformation. You have to get out of your boat. You have to step out. You have to stretch forth your withered hand. And you will see the power of God. Don't sit in your boat with your measuring tape. Because Jerusalem is a city without without walls. You don't get a D for effort in the Bible, in the kingdom of God. You get an A for trying while you are disqualified for sitting there and doing nothing. Sitting. You know why an entire city was saved? Enemy beseeching and people dying inside because four lepers, right? Three lepers. If you stay here, we will die. If we go in, we will die. If we go out, we will die. Let us die trying. Let us die trying. If you die, let it be told, three lepers died trying. It will not be written, three lepers sat down and died. But when they stepped out, they didn't die. They brought salvation to an entire city. The letters, the lepers were kept outside the gate. They were not allowed in. The city is under siege. But you are worthless. Your life means nothing to us. You stay out. Our life is precious. But now, when they are knocking, the gates are open to the lepers because they bring the good news. You shall not die, but live. Why? Because the enemy has fled and they left their provisions behind. Who brought the good news? The lepers. Why? Could they refuse to quit? So it doesn't matter whether you are a leper, whether you are a Samaritan, whether you are a single mother, divorced, it doesn't matter. It is not about your perfection, it is about your redemption and he's redeeming you, but he cannot keep redeeming you until you step out. Otherwise it's just doctrine and there is no demonstration. And as long as there is no demonstration, transformation won't take place. Don't quit. Whatever you are struggling with, don't quit. Don't give up. Because the kingdom of God on earth, the entire landscape is full of unfinished buildings. Unfinished buildings. It's like going to Kerala in those old days. Going to the villages and towns. Mansions unfinished. Why? Man went to the Gulf, Persia, as they call it there. Got a job, started building, lost his job, came back. Unfinished. And the kingdom of God looks like that. Lives. People are quit building. And God is waiting. He hasn't quit on us. Because there is no shortage, lack of resources in the kingdom of God. This is why I stopped building because it had no money. The kingdom of God is always plenty. It never takes God by surprise. Have you noticed about Jesus? Never got him by surprise. There was not a single need that he met that he knew his father would not meet. Never. You look at any case, any situation, overwhelming situation where he could not handle. And he was not handling it on his strength because he knew his life was a testimony of his father's redemption. And our life is a testimony of Christ's redemption. And that is why the spirit is given. So this morning, my prayer is this, don't quit. I wrote here, we only possess what we experience. 
not what we believe. We only possess what we experience, not just what we believe. If what we believe has doesn't become life, we haven't possessed it. Ask anybody who came out of Egypt, do you believe where you are going? Yes, where? Land flowing with milk and honey. Can you give us a testimony? Yes. God said houses which we haven't built, wells that you haven't dug, cattle and flocks and gold and silver. A little later, another testimony. The land is exactly like, greater than that. Look, two people to carry one bunch of grapes. Did he possess it? No. Why? Because he refused to experience it. To experience it, you have to fight. You can't quit. There were two people who refused to quit in the camp. So they experienced it. And they lived long in that land. But they fought. And they won. Because God was with them. And God was for them in that fight. You need to realize that same God of Joshua and Caleb is with us and for us in this fight. So what you believe has to become an experience. Then you have possessed your promises. I have come to give you life. Life in abundance. It's an overcoming life. That is what our Abel and Priyanka's eldest daughter is named Zoe. Zoe means God's life. Zoe. God kind of life. Overcoming. Overcoming life. They named their child life. and The child is a challenge for them. And they have to believe this child will overcome. I tell Priyanka, lay hands upon that baby every day of your life and say, my child will become something. Don't go by the evidence of your eyes. Go by the evidence of God's word. Don't quit. Don't quit. Believe. Don't quit. Don't go by what medical science says. We thank God for all of them. But don't go by that. When they say, this is it, go above. Go above. Because there is a life that comes from above. It's a life that comes from above, that overcomes. That overcomes. To my pastors around the world, to my brethren listening around the world, to my church in Hyderabad listening from your homes, don't quit. For God is with you. And God is for you. And the gates of heaven is flung open. When you have nothing else to cry, just cry mercy. That's all it takes. Mercy. Mercy. God stops. God stops. The cry of mercy, God stops. For me, one of the most interesting pictures as I stop is the picture of Jesus standing in the middle of the road. On one side, Jairus is on his face, kneeling at his feet, asking for mercy for his daughter. On the other side, without Jesus knowing, is an old woman on her knees, touching the hem of her robe. Two people, one a rich man, one a poor widow, both on their knees, and mercy and grace is flowing. What a picture. On the road, not our road, not a, not a Highway 31. Dirt, dung, spit-filled road. Two people on their face, one rich, one poor, and mercy is flowing. One will receive her life back, the other will receive her daughter back. Because God always stops. Always stops. Don't stop crying. Don't stop fighting. Stop giving up. People have forgotten the Second World War. People have forgotten history. There's something which people will never forget. What did Churchill say? That turned the battle. Never, 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 never 
never give up. You know the one who said it first? It's God to his children. Never quit. Never, 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 never quit. You know why? You need to look at your end if you don't quit. You're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Shall we pray? Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. Oh, Lord, we just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you, Lord. We want to believe everything that you have said and spoken to us. Corporately through the word, individually through promises. We want to believe. And we just want to say, Lord, we don't want to quit. We will not quit. We will keep walking. We will keep moving. The waters will become hard ground under our feet. We will walk. When we slip, when we sink, we'll cry for mercy, get back, and we'll continue walking with you. For there is a purpose to be fulfilled. We will not enter into the kingdom of our Savior with our hands empty. We'll come it with sheaves, with souls, with having done our part in your kingdom. We do not want to be called unprofitable servant because we are scared to get out of the boat. We are scared, therefore we settled down in the land of Midian. When the land of promises was beckoning us, we settled down with Midian. No, Lord, we are not sons of Midian. We are sons of Israel. We will not settle down. We will not sit in the safety of the boat. We will step out at your word. The waters will obey you. The winds listen to you. The seas obey you. Nature stands still for you. The sun stands still at your word. The shadow goes backward. The fish cough of money for tax. These things are not written there randomly. Seas part. Rivers split. Just to say what God will do for his children who believe, who refuse to quit. We will not quit. We are not quitters. For when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises up his spirit in us. That is the standard. The standard now is within us. Within us. The spirit of God rises up in us and tells us, resist the devil and he shall flee from you. Do not quit. Move on. Move on. As God told through Moses to Israel, fear not, move on. For the enemies that you see today, very soon you will see no more. Move on. And as they moved, the waters parted for them. We will move on, Lord. We will not quit. The greatest hour of darkness for earth, planet earth, will be the greatest hour of glory for the Christ in us, for the church. That's your word. When darkness covers the earth, your light will shine upon your people and the Gentiles shall turn to that light. It's not your people. It's a light in that people. It's your story. It's not our story. It's your story in and through us. So we magnify Christ today. We glorify today Christ. 
And I take authority in the name of Jesus of Nazareth and bind every power of darkness, every spirit of infirmity, every spirit that resists the plan and the purpose of God in his children's life. I bind you in the name of Jesus and I speak healing now in the name of Jesus. Whatever your sickness is, it does not matter. Whatever your sin is, one cry, mercy is enough from your heart. For the word of God says, he forgives all our iniquities and heals all our diseases. One cry and step out in faith. And I pray, Lord, even as I pray, let your virtue flow. Let your virtue flow. Let your virtue flow. Doesn't matter what the doctors say, black fungus or cancer, it does not matter. It does not matter what it is. We have life from above. The Zoe life. The very life of God. Let it flow, Father. Let it permeate every core of our being, every part of the body of Christ. Let the weak stand up and say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich in God. We command that spirit of fear to leave. If it is not from God, we will receive nothing that is not from God. But that everything that is of God be manifested in your people. The spirit of power, the spirit of love, and the spirit of a sound mind be manifested in your people, Lord. And we shall walk this land. We shall walk this land. We will possess what you have given it to us. The souls of people. So that when we enter into your presence, we'll have the souls to rejoice with the Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you. As we go into a new month, Lord, new week, oh Lord, I pray, Father, may your presence go with every one of our Lord. And bless our state, Lord. Oh, heal our state, Lord. Oh, Father, heal. You placed us here and we will stand in the breach and pray for Telangana, pray for Hyderabad. Oh, Father, blow this pandemic away, Lord. Have mercy upon this people, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen.